America. The Sprint Network is now more reliable than ever, and I'm on a mission to prove it's the fastest. I'm traveling the country betting anyone and everyone that Sprint is faster than their network. And Sprint's winning. The Sprint LTE network is now more reliable than ever. Switch today and stop overpaying for wireless. Visit the Sprint store or Sprint.com slash network to learn more. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Speed claim based on analysis of average delivered download speeds using Nielsen and MP data. Savings on select plans. Restrictions apply. Blog Talk Radio. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. The show where past and present PGA stars and industry leaders come to discuss the great game of golf. Chris welcomes today, next on the tee, the 2003 PGA champion, Sean McKeel. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe Lodge and Nusa, and good evening, everybody, and welcome to Next on the Tee. I am your host, Chris Mascaro, and today I'm very honored to be joined by a fabulous golfer, 2003 PGA champion, Sean McKeel. Before we get started, though, I want to kick off this show like we do every week here by saluting our military personnel listening in on the Armed Forces Radio Network. I also want to thank those of you who serve in every branch of public service. Thank you for doing what you do every day to protect our freedom and our liberties. We here at Next on the T truly appreciate the sacrifices you make every day. Our sincere thanks as well to Dennis Farrell, Stephen Lee, and all the folks at Armed Forces Radio. It's an honor to be a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org and clicking on the sports link that you're going to find in the bottom right-hand side of the page or on the radio link that you find in the upper right-hand corner. And also be sure to give those guys a follow on Twitter at the AFRN, the Armed Forces Radio Network. Find us on Twitter as well at Next on the T. Uh, also, please take a look at our Facebook page as well. Give us a like, interact with the show, send us your questions, your thoughts. That's important to us, too. Now, without further ado, I want to bring on Sean McKeel. He is from Orlando, Florida, later moved to Memphis, Tennessee, where he currently resides. We actually attended the same high school, Christian Brothers, just a few years apart. Uh, he played collegially at Indiana University and turned pro in 1992. He won the Singapore Open in 1998, the Nike Greensboro Open in 1999, and, of course, the PGA Championship uh, with one of the greatest finishing shots in PGA Tour history in 2003. And I am honored to have him with me next on the tee. Hey, Sean, thanks for being here. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. So, yes, uh, Sean. I could give you just a second with the, uh, with the uh, second, a little salute to the, to the military. My father was in the 6910th uh, Regiment out of Darmstadt, Germany, with the uh, United States Air Force Security Service right. as a uh, code breaker. So uh, probably the reason I can't be in the NSA or CIA because I just gave that away. But he uh, <laughs> spent, spent four years four years uh, copying code, and, and I'm learning more and more about that each day. So it's uh, my hat's off to all the men and women around the world and uh, salute everything that you do. Absolutely, indeed. So do we. So, Sean, I kind of start at the beginning. You, you're born in Orlando. What took you from Orlando, Florida, to Memphis, Tennessee? Well, you know, after my dad, you know, my dad got out of the Air Force. He, um, he, you know, he started flying. He went in um, to uh, he wanted to go in and fly in, in the Air Force, and then they they ended the cadet program. And anyway, so he he got out of there and started flying. I was born in 1969. Uh, he flew for a small company in Orlando, Florida, uh, where my sister and I were born. 
sometime at the middle of the end of 1972, he decided to take a chance with a small company by the name of Federal Express, um, <laughs> which everybody's heard of now. And um, right. he was he started flying for them uh, at the end of 1972, early 73. In Little Rock, they moved into Memphis, uh, where, where it's based. Um, and right. when he started flying, there were three. They had three airplanes. They had three Falcon 20s. So uh, I'd say now they're probably in excess of 600 plus aircraft. Uh, right. And that's you know turbojet aircraft too. That probably doesn't include any of the props that they have. But uh, so anyway, he started with three airplanes. So that's how my sister and I got to Memphis, Tennessee, and I've just been here ever since. So like I mentioned, you you. Uh you attended Christian Brothers High School. I attended there as well for a couple of years back in the – I was there in the early 80s. Talk about your experience at Christian Brothers. Well, you know, I had a good experience. I uh, I went to public school, of course, um, and uh, I think it just uh, – my parents decided that they wanted something a little a little bit better for me, not that public education was, uh, you know, lax in any way. It just uh, – right. it was an all-male Catholic school, which was a, which was a big adjustment Indeed. for me. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's not for everybody. I mean, it, it's it's not necessarily about the co-ed part of it. I think it's just uh, it was it was very regimented, uh, obviously very uh, religious, uh, you know, based right. and and everything else. And I was I was raised Catholic, so it was important. To, I think my mom uh, and I had a good experience. You know, I played on the golf team, uh, had a lot of great friends. Um, you know that that I kind of met have kept up with over the years, but. Um, you know, as they say, you know, you're kind of brothers, boys for life. And, um, yeah. you know, it's it, all my friends that, that I grew up with and hung out with, um, you know, that went to public school. I still maintain those relationships all through the through my four years. But, um, you know, I think it was good for me. I, I enjoyed it. I still keep in touch with some people over there, um, you know, off Walnut Grove. And, um, yep. you know, but it was it was a good experience. Good. So, how does a kid from Orlando who went to high school in Memphis end up playing college uh, collegiately up at Indiana? Well, you know, I, I, I didn't do a whole lot of traveling. Uh, the American Junior Golf Association was just kind of getting started around, you know, mid, mid-80s, 85, 86, something like that, and, and I didn't do a lot of national golf tournaments. Um, I played a lot of local stuff, a lot of stuff around Tennessee, a lot of, a lot of tournaments around Memphis, um, and still was still playing some basketball in high school, and I just uh, I didn't probably have the national recognition that I needed to have to go to some of the other schools. Um, you know, until I, I won the state high school my sophomore year and, and my senior in, in, in college, but there were a lot of kids that had done that. Um, I, it was just a national exposure that I didn't really have. And um, I went up to visit Indiana. I was actually going to Kentucky is where I was going. Steve Flesh and I went out, right? and took me out on my recruiting Yeah, he took me out on my recruiting trip and, Went to see uh, UNLV play uh, play the, the Cats in Rupp Arena, and I told my dad, I said, I'm sold, I'm coming here. And then uh, something fell through with the scholarship, and, and uh, you know, I, I took, I'd taken a visit to Indiana. I loved the guys, um, you know, loved the school, loved the campus. Uh, and I just, I think with what some of the stuff that fell through, uh, you know, in Kentucky just kind of led me towards, uh, towards there. But, you know, I had won the Future Masters that, that summer, and, um, you know, I, I could have backed out of my scholarship, and, and that was the time that I'd really gotten a lot of national exposure and just decided that I would, was going to go ahead and honor my, honor my commitment. My father actually wanted me to go to, um, to West Point, and um, I'd gotten – I talked to the coach a couple of times up there, and, um, you know, I don't think it was really for me, um, you know, at the time. I, I just 
uh, you know, I, I, she wasn't sure I was really ready to make that commitment, and um, so I chose Indiana instead. But uh, it would have been an interesting story for sure. <laughs> yeah. So talk about, you know, so you go to Indiana. So you, I'm sure you played four years, played, you went through there. Um, mm-hmm. how, did you, how did you make the leap from Indiana to getting on the tour to actually going over and playing on the Asian tour? Well, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a well-seasoned uh, traveler, and, um, you know, obviously that's – when I first started, I graduated in December of 1991. So I turned pro in 92. Uh, I found my way – and I, I missed the qualifying term. I think at the time, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't go to qualifying school because I still had one more semester left in college, and I just kind of wanted to focus on that. But I um, went to South Africa, went to Johannesburg, and, and stayed over there for four or five weeks and uh, kind of got my feet wet a little bit and – um, I've always been kind of a homebody, so there's a little homesickness there, I suppose. And so I didn't, I didn't do as well as I was hoping. And um, and I, you know, I was the first team All American my senior year, so I was playing some pretty good golf. But you know, I've gone from gone from the amateur ranks to to professional, and and all the things that go into it, which I think people sometimes think, you know, you just show up at a golf tournament, you start playing. But you know, as a professional, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that go into it besides just getting to the golf course uh there's a travel element and stuff like that managing my sponsors and expenses and right. and, and basically having to do my own travel where it was just basically the coach in college just saying hey we got a plane leaves at nine the bus is going to leave for seven for the airport you better be here and that and uh you know when you're professional and i think that's kind of what i miss a little bit about team sports too is is that uh you know, golfers, uh, we're just kind of independent out there. And if you want to practice at seven, well, you just decide to get up and go practice at seven. Nobody's telling you what to do. Um, right. But uh, anyway, so I, I went to South Africa and then got on the tour two years later in 94. And, and uh, my dad was caddying for me in the finals at Key School at Bakinka out there in Palm Springs. And I uh, didn't didn't have a lot of success. I was really kind of a, just kind of a nervous, nervous kid, I think, uh, out there. And I think I only made four or five cuts out of like 15 or 16 tournaments. I didn't even play a lot of tournament golf that year. I just didn't get in. Um, you know, bounced around the tour back and forth. And then in 1998, I decided I lost my card in 97. So I went to Asia, won the Singapore Open, which was a major on that tour then. Um, but came back, went to tour school in 99, was on, a, on the, the Nike tour, now the web.com tour, and finished ninth on the money list and basically been been on tour ever since uh just the last couple of years have been a lot of health issues um too many visits to the hospital i really um you know it's just it's unfortunate i think that uh you know these types of things kind of manifest themselves i mean there's a lot of you know a lot of wear and tear on the body a lot of stress right. um you know and it's uh it's just part of part of life i guess you know people um their their their, their athletic careers come to an end obviously at various times uh, but they all come to an end for a reason. Either you're not playing well um, or you're not playing well because of, of, of injuries or serious illness or you just don't want to play anymore. And it's not not the latter for me. I, I want to play, and, and um, I think I can still play at a high level. But it's uh, just, you know, I had, had heart surgery three weeks ago, you know, and uh, it was my second one of the year. And, um, shoulder surgery a few years ago that kind of derailed me a little bit. So, it's 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 just been tough, but I but I want to play the Champions Tour in 2019, which is why I keep going. Otherwise, I think I might I just might just pack it in and and uh, you know tell people about my stories. But I still want to keep playing, so that's what I'm doing. So yeah, so and, and maybe I heard you wrong. Did you say heart surgery a few weeks ago? I did. Yes, yeah. so I had um, 
you know, I had four four stints um, put in, uh, right coronary, circumflex, a distal portion. I know more about my heart, I think, than, uh, than I ever thought I would. But it's wow. uh, just something that kind of came on. Um, you know, I had an exploratory surgery in February, and I thought I was going to have an open-heart surgery on the, uh, I guess, the 20th of, Fe- of February. And uh, I didn't end up having it. I had something else. So then I had four stents put in three weeks ago and on the 17th of April. So I think wow. it's uh, it's just been um, it's just been a long road. I I uh, you know I've had a, I've had a good career. I mean, not as great as I think I'd like it to be. I, hopefully, it can continue on. I, I want to keep playing. I've been working hard. Um, you know, it's just some of these some of these things have really just kind of uh, as I said before, I've kind of derailed my my comeback or my progress really to try to try to get out there and win again. And of course, I'm non-exempt, and that's. That all came at a bad time, um, you know. But um, I don't see that my career is ending. I, th- I think that there's more there's more room for improvement. Um, I enjoy playing. Um, I enjoy playing well, but it's been difficult to get into tournaments um, as a non-exempt player. It, I don't think people really understand. I think all your PJ Tour players just sign up and play. It's not like that at all. And um, you know, so I've been kind of that a little bit. Tell, tell people what it is really like. Well, you know, when you're on the PGA Tour, and when I won the PGA, for example, I had a five-year exemption, which basically meant I could play any tournament that I wanted, um, except for the World Golf Championships. Now, the World Golf Championships at the time, there were three of them. There are four now. Um, and that was, a, that was based on world ranking. And so right. You know, right after my first year winning the PGA, you know, I was, I was high enough in the world ranking. I stayed in the top 50 and then the top 64 for the match play. So I was in those for a couple of years. And actually played pretty well. 05 wasn't a great year, but 06 I rebounded and, uh, uh, you know, and then finished second in the PGA again, so I got my world ranking points right. back up. But in 2008, I had shoulder surgery in the middle of the year. I, I couldn't put it off any longer. Um, that was the last year of my five-year exemption. So 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, that was five years. Um, and I got hurt. I, I played the Masters because I wanted my son to caddy for me in the park. He was five at the time. And um, I, I tried to go. I just couldn't do it. And uh, I missed 10 months of the season. Um, so I'm not exempt. That basically means that uh, my full exemption was over. I hadn't maintained my, uh, I'll say, my level of proficiency, if you will. It's really a money list. And yeah. um, uh, basically was playing off what, what they call the past champion veteran member category. And I qualify for both. I've, I've, I'm a veteran member. I'm also a past champion. So I was getting in events. Um, in 2009 off a of medical and in 2010 in 2010 I played great I uh you know my mom was diagnosed with cancer lung cancer in um April of uh 2009 um so I really just kind of had all that going on and um just playing well for her in 2010 and she lost her battle in October of that year and um I'd, I'd played well enough um to become fully exempt again in 2011 and then I just you know, I just really expended a lot of energy, uh, a lot of just uh, personal um, kind of anguish, I think, at the end of that year after losing my mom. You know, uh, just there were a lot of things that happened in my childhood. And, and, and uh, you know, watching her kind of some of the struggles that she had gone through as, when I was growing up, she, and uh, she had a mental illness. And I just, uh, you know, it, it just it took, it took its toll. But, you know, we, we had our moments. Um, but it took a lot of energy out of me. And in 2011, when I went to Hawaii, 
I just didn't, I could tell in myself I just didn't have the drive um, that you have to have. Yeah. And I think that's right. why a lot of these young kids are so successful. Um, many of them don't have families uh, yet. They're, they're just basically, you know, eating and sleeping golf um, 24-7 every single day. And, and that's really what you have to do to be successful. I mean, you don't have to kill yourself doing it. But, um, you know, if, if you have golf at the front of your mind, uh, at a high level, it, that, that's what it takes. And I didn't have that. Uh, I was thinking about a lot of things, and, and uh, you know, some some may think that you know when you get inside the ropes, you you have that that moment to where you can just focus on golf. But um, I mean, just being a, a caring human being, I, I just didn't, I wasn't able to do that. And I didn't play yeah. well in 2011, and I and I lost. And so I went back to tour school, and, um, and basically I'm not exempt. And I'm and I'm not exempt even on the Web.com tour. So I'm not even exempt for the D League, if you want to call it that. Um, wow. So it's been tough. It really it's really been tough. I mean, I've fallen a long way, and um, you know, again, it's it's when they changed the system for uh, the qualification process of getting onto the tour. Uh, there's no more Q school for the tour. Uh, really, the only way to get on is to, to earn your way through money. If you get into a few tournaments, maybe you win or uh, world ranking points and stuff like that. But there's really only a couple of ways to get back onto the PJ Tour. And uh, so I'm trying to play the web.com. I'm in this week. Uh, this week I'm going to be playing in Greenville, South Carolina, in the BMW Championship, which is a pro-am event. So uh, much like AT&T, I'll be paired with an amateur, and, and I uh, I look forward to it. I, I, I look forward to each and every tournament that I get into. It's uh, – uh, you know, again, I, I, I want to play when I'm 50, so I, I keep going. And uh, it's, just been, it's just been a long road. We, look, we've all had our personal stories that have challenged us along the way um, and kind of altered our plans and our goals and everything else. And uh, I've certainly had my moments of complaining about the tour and why I'm not getting into tournaments and how they – you know, there are exemptions. I'm not getting exemptions. I don't know. Did I, you know, did I piss somebody <laughs> off a few years ago? Who knows? I mean, it's just uh, – it's just it's just the way it is, and uh, I'm trying to earn my way back. It, it's it's you know golf's a humbling game. It's uh, it really is. It it's uh, even when you don't have all this other stuff going on away from the golf course, uh, it'll humble you every single day. So I, I keep sure. going. I, I keep going. So you, you mentioned you know the goal at this point is to is to get on the senior PGA tour. So is there something that you have to do between now and the time that you turn fifty in order to be eligible to play on the senior tour? Well, I mean that's, that's a pretty compli- complicated question. I think that's that's always evolving. That that's a um, the, the Champions Tour is is, is is pretty difficult to actually get onto. Um, I think with me winning a major championship, I think. Um, I think the major counts for, for multiple wins. You can get on through career money, um, you know, or, uh, you know, what you've made in your career or uh, multiple wins, things of that nature. And, um, you know, from my understanding, I think I'll have at least one year out there to be exempt. And then, you know, hopefully I'll keep, keep you know, playing well and, and be able to stay out there multiple years. Now, if I, you know, a friend of mine, Lauren Roberts, you know, he's made, you know, he made sixteen, seventeen million on the tour. He's probably made fifteen, twenty million, or something like that, on the Champions Tour. So, he, um, you know, he'll he'll maintain his career money position for as long as he wants to play. Um, so, it's it's not quite as uh, easy to understand um, how you get on there. But it was designed, you know, to get some of these guys. That there wasn't a retirement set up back in the early '80s, and they just they, they gave these guys an opportunity to continue on with their careers and and. Uh, uh, Right. I think it's been great. You know, some would argue with yeah. it, but 
that people enjoy watching watching these guys play. You know, I mean, I enjoy watching Absolutely. them play. Like, I played with most yeah, of them. As do so, I. With you. I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I hope it's still around. I think it will be. It's it's uh, It's been great, I think, for the tour. It's great for the people that enjoy, um, you know, guys our age, or, and even older, obviously, you know, Lee Trevino and those right. guys are still playing. So um, that's what I want to do. So I, that's why I keep plugging away. So let's step back a little bit and talk about, you know, the major and in, in, in uh, your career to this point. When you were winning on the Asian Tour and on the Nike Tour, did, did those victories prepare you to be able to win when you, when you had the opportunity at the 2003 PGA? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, you know, I, I needed to do some of that stuff. I, ne- I needed to go to Asia to play and, and, and play at a high level. And, you know, most of the people that I was playing against, nobody ever heard of. But I had because, you know, it was the advent of the Golf Channel and, and things of that nature. Um, so I knew how good a lot of these players were. So it, it really built me up. I played well. Um, and then in 99, I, I continued to play well. And uh, on the Nike Tour, finished ninth on the money list. So they had the top 15 of those guys went on to play the PGA Tour, and then I, you know, I kept my card finally in 2000, and uh, I think that really kind of propelled, uh, really, but I, it, it's, uh, it's hard to say, I mean, people, there's really different levels of tournaments, I think, you know, there's the major championships, and then, there, then you have a, I'm going to use the term rank and file, I've seen that written about several <laughs> other times, you know, what, the rank and file uh, the yeah. players of the PJ Tour members that have access to these events, but I mean, everybody's so good. I think that's uh, you know it didn't surprise me. Um, you know, you go down the list of guys that have won major championships, and do I see my name fitting in there? I mean, I see it. Um, I guess history will judge whether my name was deservingly to be on there. But I uh, uh, I was playing well. I I, uh, I think I always enjoyed playing the difficult golf courses because I was such a good ball striker. Um, you know, I was third or fourth a couple of years in a row, I think, for greens and regulation. I feel like that's an important stat. And it just uh, – uh, maybe there was some confidence from some of those other victories. But, um, you know, those those wins on the other tours were really um, not even really up to par with, with the type of golf course that I faced at Oak Hill. So the major right. championship golf is – is uh, you know the most difficult courses, uh, most demanding with the with the best fields, and uh, you know so I I feel great about what you know what I did. It's it's too bad that that uh, you know it's it's eleven almost eleven years ago now, and uh, I, I I can relive every single shot in the last day, and uh, I do on occasion go back and revisit that. Good for you. Did, at at what point in that final round did, did the hair on the back of your neck stand up? Oh gosh, I would have to say probably on uh, probably on fifteen. I had uh, uh, I'd gotten to the to the fourteenth. Chad made a good birdie on fourteen. He hit it you know to a foot or something like that on the par right. five, and I get to fifteen. Yep. And it was one of those holes that you could drive. It was a three hundred and five yard hole or something like that. Uh, it was a hot summer day, so the ball was going uh, was getting out there pretty pretty far. Um, and, and Chad was up. He hit driver, and he saw I hit in the greenside bunker. And, I, you know, I had a decision to make. I had laid up earlier in the week. I think it was on Friday. And uh, it's a very difficult shot. The layup, yeah, you see an iron out there. But the second shot is straight up hill. It's probably up 50, 60 feet. And I had made a double. And I just decided that, you know, now is the time for me to really shine. I, I uh, hit a great shot. It, uh, it just it found a good bounce and, and got up onto the green. And, um, 
I think when I hit that drive and I saw it on up, up on the green and the people were kind of cheering, that that was really the first kind of hair raising moment. Um, and then uh, you know, 15 green, I made the putt. Chad made bogey. He, he, he kind of flubbed the shot and then made bogey from there. And then I, I went on. I think I had a two or three shot lead there. And that was the tournament. But that was the hole that I thought I had the uh, the tournament won. And right. um, actually, that was actually that was that was 14. I, I get the holes mixed. That was 14. And then on 15. My hair, <laughs> Chad made an incredible a, a side hill putt from about 40 feet. And uh, so I'd gone from thinking I'd won the tournament to now I wasn't so sure. But uh, there were quite a few of those moments because I didn't make a par, I think, after after 13. I, I birdied 14, bogeyed 15, birdied 16, bogeyed 17, and then birdied 18. So um, I was kind of a little bit of a roller coaster, but uh, uh, it ended well. <laughs> was, yeah, it did. You know, yeah. it, it, it ended very well. When uh, on 18, when you hit that seven iron shot, you know, I, I, I went back and watched the video. Your caddy yelled, be right. What's going through your yep. mind when you when you swung and you looked up and you saw the ball tracking towards the hole? Oh, you know, as you know, as a golfer, I mean, there's a lot of times out. There's a lot of a time out there. Um, yes. You know, so when the, when the ball was struck, I really thought, you know, why is Bob talking to my ball? I think that was the first kind of the first thing that went through my head um you know i don't say a lot i'm, I'm a pretty quiet golfer and um you know i hit the shot and i hear be right and i'm sitting there thinking well why is he talking to my ball you know he doesn't ever talk to my ball and uh you know the what does it take two or three seconds for the ball to get from the club face out to the green maybe four i don't know three or four seconds or something like that right. so um you know i think you know and tuesday the practice round i had the exact same yardage from the other side of the fairway. And um, what was great about it was that uh, I, was, I, was, I was away. I mean, Chad was, was on the right side of the fairway, and he was a little closer, so it was clearly my shot. And we had, I mark everything down in my yard book, you know, what I did on Monday, what I did on Tuesday, and Bob gave me the yardage. You know, there was maybe a little bit of a helping breeze there, so I just grabbed the 7-iron quickly. So there wasn't a whole lot of time in between when I got to the ball and actually hitting the shot, and then with Bob yelling, um, you know, he, uh, he was right. So he was one for one, but I told him, I said, don't ever talk to it again. No. So, uh, you know, that was later in the night. That was later in the day. I told him, I said, look, I was great that you're right. I said, but don't ever talk to it again. We're, uh, you know, not, not really, I'm not a superstitious person, but I just, it's just one of the things that I don't, I don't like, uh, my caddies to do. I don't like them to talk to my ball. I don't like them to pat me on the back and try to get me fired up. Um, I've been doing this a long time, and, and uh, sometimes I don't want to be fired up, you know. So um, I have a unique relationship with my caddies. I just want them to carry the bag and talk, have some conversation, um, give me the yardage, and, and, uh, and just go on about our merry way. I don't, I don't like a, a rah-rah caddy at all. I've heard, you know, I've actually read some stories where they're very similar to that, where caddies, you know, will say something, you know, get right, get down. And uh, other other players, like, you know, will say the same thing. Like, you know, I've heard the quote, keep your mouth off my ball. Yeah. You know, How do you know what yeah. I want my ball to do? And I've heard that before. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, I mean, really, does it really affect the ball? Of course it does. But I think right. um, just as a team, you know, you, you kind of just you hit the shot. And uh, you both want it to be—you both want it to, to be right. You both want it to come out the way that you had planned it out. And uh, I think, for the most part, most most caddies do that. I think sometimes you get uh, maybe some of the younger guys uh, are able or a little bit more 
you know, they, they talk a little bit more, um, we're a little bit more animated. But I think I'm just kind of old school. Not not intentionally. I think that's just me. Um, but most players, mm-hmm. I would say, would would prefer the caddy just to kind of kind of be quiet. And uh, you know, it, it's uh, and I think that's part of it. I mean, it's like a marriage out there. You get, you got to find somebody uh, that you that you work well with, that you can communicate well with. You know, Phil Nicholson's been out there a long time with with Jim Bones, and right. um, probably the longest standing relationship. Uh, the next might be um, Jim Furyk and, and, and Fluff. You know, Mike. You know, they they've been together a long time. And when you have that relationship, you uh, you know what to expect of each other. You you know when it's time to walk away from the caddy or when the caddy's when it's time to walk away from the player. Uh, it's a unique unique relationship, and I think people would be very interested in in hearing what kind of what goes on. You know, there's a lot of yeah. It's not all golf. It's being t- talked about out there. I mean, I think it's important to. Hey, what Jeff for dinner last night? You know, you're not always, you're not always over the ball discussing yardage. You know, so <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, a lot of us are probably glad that we're not mic'd up, you know, at all. It's just uh, <laughs> that'd be more for cable, cable TV, I think. But uh, it's fun to be a part of it. It has been fun to be a part of it. I, I hope it continues. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's really on my shoulders. I think in in, in my work and my preparation and course my health but um right. it's something i enjoy doing i still enjoy doing i love talking about it and and although my career like i said i don't have a whole lot of pj tour wins you know i just have a lot of experience of, of being out there and being around you know the best players in the world you know I've, I've done a lot of great things and and uh you know i understand there's a lot of people that love to have my career but but um you know i want more we all want more don't we and uh yeah so that's why I go to the golf course every single day when I'm home and I hit balls and I work on my short game. And, you know, I dream the same things. I mean, my brother-in-law is, is down in Palm Beach, and he's like, you know, I saw him not too long ago, and I said, hey, um, you know, I'm trying to get in tournaments. He said, look, you know, we know you're in the PGA, so why don't you just practice from now until August for the PGA, and maybe you'll knock one of those off. You know, he may be right. And so I think about it. I don't think about uh, winning the BMW championship next week. I was actually out there today thinking about, have an opportunity to win at Valhalla, and um, that'll be my goal, and that'll be my thought process for the next four months. And then uh, hopefully come August time, I'll have a chance to win at the PGA again because I just have a, a great relationship and uh, love for that championship. And um, I've played the course a couple times, so so I know it, but, um, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But that, that'll, that'll be my focus for the next four months. Okay. I got one more, and actually, I want you to talk a little bit about your Make a Wish Foundation. But I got one more before uh, before we get to that. After yeah. your victory in 2003, and everyone goes home, and you go back to your hotel, what did you do? I mean, you got the you know the the Wanamaker Trophy. Are, are you are you just sitting? Are you staring at it? Are you sleeping with it? What are you doing with the trophy? Okay, well, here's the thing. I didn't actually get to take my trophy home. Uh, I don't no. know when that tradition started. I did not get to take it home. The first time that I saw the the Wanamaker Trophy after I left the, the clubhouse at Oak Hill um, was maybe maybe a month later. It might have been a little bit longer. I can't remember exactly. We had a, a party at Ridgeway Country Club, which is you know kind of where I grew up playing. Um, and M.G. Orinder, who was the president of the PGA of the America at the time, um, brought the trophy up from Jacksonville, where he lived. And that was the first time I'd seen it. So I didn't get to bring the trophy home. I'm not sure when that started or 
if I just got gypped or or, or what. Um, but you know, That's after I right. there, it was late. You know, we we're, were finishing it. We were playing in prime time, and uh, it was yep. late on the East Coast when when I got done. It was probably I mean I don't know. I think they like to finish six or seven o'clock, something like that. Right. And it was pretty dark. You know, after all my responsibilities and pictures and speaking to the members of the club and and shaking hands and doing all those great things with my you know my wife was with me. She was six months pregnant, so she's out there you know, carrying our son around, you know, in the 100-degree heat. And um, by the time we, we actually, uh, I turned in my courtesy car. They took my keys, and um, I packed my locker up and, and uh, said goodbye to all the, the guys in the locker room and all the members and, and the PGA staff and everything. They had a white limousine that was taking me and, and uh, my wife, and, um, and uh, I was using another guy's airplane. I'm a pilot, so I was flying, too, so... He brought his airplane up for me to fly home, and um, so we had to overnight. And then we were going. We went to the Wendy's drive-through um, in a stretch limousine <laughs> at like nine or ten o'clock at night. You know, we hadn't eaten, so I'm in there ordering my my usual double cheese from Wendy's. You know, ketchup, pickle, mustard, and a large chocolate sausage. That's what I, that's what I get usually. Well, now I have to watch it because I have a heart issue, so I can't eat that as right. much anymore. But. Um, that's what I had. I had a uh, from Wendy's went in the Wendy's drive-through and we pulled up and the driver he pulled up far enough so we could order through our window and then he pulled up far enough so we could pay and and uh, everybody was had recognized me and and everything so it was pretty it was pretty cool. But that's what I did. I went went back. I think I stayed at the Hilton, you know, the Hilton or the Hyatt downtown in in uh, Rochester, and um, you know went to bed. But I did not I did not get the trophy and I didn't wow. see it again for another month six weeks. Yeah. So wow. Uh, and, 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 look, I, I'm, I'm going to have to wrong. say something else, too. I do not have the trophy. I, I have a trophy what? that is – I have a trophy that, that they sent to me that says uh, PJ of America, you know, something like Oak Hill. I haven't looked at it in a while. It's in my office. But um, I do not have the replica. There are replicas that, 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 that people have, and here's why. Um, and at the time, it didn't, it didn't really dawn on me. I said, well, I'll get it is I have to pay for the trophy. The trophy really? is $40,000. The trophy right now is $40,000. It might be a little less. It might be a little more based on the price of silver. But it is made in England, I guess, and um, I do have the person's contact information that makes the trophy. It's a, uh, you know, it's 10% smaller, uh, so it's 10 cents size, and it does have the names on it. Now, I will get one eventually. I think at the time it was probably 30000 And I don't... To be honest with you, I don't really know why I didn't buy it. I'd just gotten a million-dollar check. I don't know why I didn't. I wish, I, To be honest with you, I wish they would have just taken the money out of my check and sent me right. the trophy. And I think that's, that's one of the – look, I love the PG of America. I'm always, I, I, I had all my lessons as, as a kid from, from head, head professionals that were members of the PG of America. So I'm not knocking them. But I just, it just to, to right now, I guess I don't understand why they just don't give me one. You know, I, right. uh, as much money as they make. But – People don't, most people Indeed. don't know that. They, they, yeah, they no. don't know that. And I should have just, that I wish news. they were just taking the money out of my check. I can't believe they so, make you pay for it. You just won the PGA. Give the man a trophy. I mean, yeah, I know. Here, I know. here I hold the Wanamaker trophy. Smile for us for, for a minute, Sean. Let us snap a few pictures. All right, give me that back. Really? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Claret Jug stays with a guy for a year, and, I, and I'm assuming right. they, may have, they may have the same thing. I, I don't know. Obviously, you have not. A good friend of mine, Todd Hamilton, I'll see next week. Uh, he won the 04 British Open, so I'll have to ask him. Yeah. But, you know, I just, at the time, and I think it's gone on so long, I will get one. I, if you knew me at all, 
I'm not I'm not a person that likes to I'm not I don't like to be the center of attention. I'm not going to be the guy that walks into the party and say, "Hey, look at me." Uh, you know, I'm just I'm I'm kind of reserved, but you know, I don't need I don't need that. I don't need to have a big trophy sitting in my front hallway or wherever I put it to say, "Hey, look what I want." I I've, I've never been like that. I've always been a little bit not embarrassed, but uh I don't even really know what the right word is. Um you know, to, to really describe how I how I how I am, um, you know, inside. I I I will get the trophy at some point because I think it's too important uh, to my family. I mean, my wife had a huge huge part in in me winning. I mean, I've known Stephanie since she was 11 years old. So we've been we're going on 32 years, 33 years of knowing each other. And she was there carrying my my son was six months pregnant. Uh, she was six months pregnant with my son. So. There, there are a lot of great reasons to have it to bring to great memories for my kids, um, but I don't anticipate me, you know, going out and buying one tomorrow. I mean, it may be when I retire. It may be just, it may be something I do later on in my life uh, for my kids. You know, my my, my kids are um, to the age that they understand what missing a cut means. They they see the disappointment in my face. Um, you know, if if I don't make the cut, and there's been quite a few lately, um, they understand that and. Uh, but they keep asking me, you know, when am I going to win my next trophy? And I and I'm and I think to myself, my God, I just want to get to a tournament, let alone win one. Um, so it's it's been tough, you know. It's 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 been tough to explain to them, you know, why you know why I haven't been playing as much on the PJ Tour. And I think they love having me home. Um, but but Stephanie, as much as she likes having me home, she wants me to be on the road for me, and uh, because she knows I love playing golf so much. And I think that's why she's such a great great person for me to be with. Um, you know, a lot of our friends, you know, their husbands are out of town for two days, and they're like, the, the moms are just absolutely overwhelmed. But Stevie just laughs because I'll be on the road for three, four weeks. And, um, you know, it's it's one of the great things. It's one of the things I love about her. She's so independent, and uh, but she's been there. So at some point, I will buy the trophy for them. Uh, I don't need it for me, but uh, I think it would be something cool for my kids to have uh, to show that, hey, you know, their dad did, did something one time in his life. So well, um, I'll get it. I'll get it at some point. Oh, I hope you do, but I'm still I'm still shocked that the, the PGA doesn't <laughs> give you one for winning the tournament. You're right. We had Tony Jacklin on a couple of weeks ago, and you know Tony obviously won the won the British Open, and he was talking about keeping the claret jug. They get to keep it for a year, and then then yeah. and they get a replica of it. Then they get a replica of it. He didn't mention that they he had to pay for it, so I can't believe he did. Uh, just, yeah. You know, Forty grand yeah. for yeah. holy yeah. cow. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I know, I know. So I can't be too hard on them. I, 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 you know, even at the time, I didn't yeah, because you got to get back out there. Now, Rich Bean, now Rich Bean was giving me grief. He's finally kind of stopped giving it to me because he, you know, Rich won the PJ at Hazeltine in 02. Right. Uh, right. And so I think he got his right away. And, and to be honest with you, really, why I didn't back then, I don't know. I think I just, I had a lot going on. Um, you know, I. I hadn't won a tournament. Uh, a, a, I mean, I'd won some other tournaments around the world, but but nothing of that of that quite magnitude. And right. uh, there was new events to be in. There was a. My wife and I had already started buying a new house. You know, already we're in the process of doing that already because we wanted some more more room for for our, for uh, for a son that was going to be born. Um, and uh, I think there were just a lot of things that were going on in my life that that uh, had to be had to be fit in somewhere. And it just really slipped my mind. And to be honest, now it's almost 11 years later, and I still don't have the trophy. Um, we got it. But that's a little bit about me. You know, I don't, I don't need the trophy. I, I, I will get one, but I, I don't need it, if that makes any sense to anybody. I don't know if it does or not. 
right, so Sean, before we let you run, I know you're very passionate about the work you do for the Make a Wish Foundation. Take a minute and talk about that. Yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm so lucky to uh, to be a part of this this great organization. It really is. Um, there are so many, and as I found out, this will be my 11th year of Stephanie and I doing this. You know, each of these charities are competing for the same dollars. I mean, there's only so many dollars to go around. And I've just been surrounded by a great group of friends, uh, friends of my father that have supported this this event, you know, with me uh, financially. And um, I think we've raised, in 10 years, we've raised $2.2 million net. So I think that's a pretty good, uh, it's been a a good run. Um, You know, June 23rd is our event here. And uh, Stephanie and I have granted a wish each and every year, and and that's a that's an incredible process. Uh, these 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 women that that I'm around that work for Make a Wish, uh, just the, uh, the education that they have about these illnesses that these that these children and these families are are going through, and how they kind of brought me in on everything. Um, it's just been a tremendous tremendous run. I I I love them. I love the kids. I think even more so now that I'm a father. And I have been around a lot of these families that uh, may eventually lose their children, and they they, they uh, you see a lot of I see a lot of that. Uh, but just the joy that Make a Wish brings to these families and these kids, and, and uh, from from trips to Disney World, the cruises to you know shopping sprees. I mean, nobody's really turned away. If if they're granted a wish, they they get what they want. And uh, so I'm lucky to have a tournament like like I have that's uh, supported by all of Memphis and. Um, just, I look forward to it every year. It gets harder every year because I, I want it to keep growing. Um, you know, I think everybody's barometer is okay. We made let's just say you made three hundred thousand the year before. Well, don't we want to make three fifty this year? And it's right. difficult. We've we weathered we weathered the economic storm. Uh, matter of fact, our best year I think was oh eight or oh nine. You know, right after the big kind of the plunge. And I think that's just a testament to the kids and to the families. It really doesn't have anything to do with me because I. Anybody's name could be on the event. I think it's when you see the children, and we have we have a Make a Wish party at the tournament site on that Monday. So there's like 15 or 16 children come. I do not have tour players that come in. I'm the only one there. I wanted the focus to be on the kids. So the kids that come to the Make a Wish party, the Wish Kid party as we call it, is they are the team captains. So everybody gets the chance to take their picture. Um, you know, with that, you can Google Sean McKeel Make-A-Wish, and there'll be several, there'll be pictures on there and interviews of me and to see some of the kids. Um, but there are so many great charities out there, especially with, you know, St. Jude Hospital being here in Memphis, Tennessee. Right. It, was a, it was a perfect fit um, for me. And um, so that's what Stephanie and I do. We, we focus on that, and we love it. We love it. My kids participate and, and uh, trying to get them in the civic civic mind and, and uh, That's you know, great. to give and, and not just take and uh, get them to understand that, that uh, some of these people are a lot less fortunate than we are. And it's uh, been an eye-opening experience for me, But um, and, and even more so as, as being a dad. So how can people find out more information and get involved and then also follow you on social media, Sean? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm new to the social media thing. I, I'm, I'm at Sean McKeel PGA, and... Uh, you know, I I, I kind of dabble dabble in Twitter. I like to read a lot. I like to read and follow other people and, and stuff like that. I don't have the best tweets, um, um, you know, but I, I enjoy I enjoy posting a few things. To, to be honest with you, I, I 
what I really wanted to use Twitter is because I think people are uh, really excited about, hey, what are you doing? What's a tour player? What's their life like? But I haven't played that yeah. much in the last year. So I really haven't been able to use really social media to my advantage. I've, I've got some pictures of my family and stuff like that on there, which I think which are cool. I love looking at other people's kids and stuff like that. Hey, what's going on in their lives? But but um, I really wanted to use social media as a way to connect myself uh, or my brand really with other people and saying, hey, look, I'm I'm doing this. Is this is a new club I'm trying? Or you know, it helped promote my sponsors and and things of that nature. Um, along with me using it to to follow news and what's going on in the world. I love to be caught up in current events. I, I really do. It's important to me every day to to read the newspaper and see what's going on in the world and uh, the good and the bad. And uh, uh, but it's just been uh, it's it, I mean I'm kind of new to it. Um, but I, but I love doing it. I love I love I love following I love following people on Twitter. Well, Sean, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time tonight. I, we talked before the show. I said, ah, oh, twenty minutes would be great. Yeah. Here we are, forty-five minutes into it, and that, there's so many other things. I mean, you're you're fascinating to talk to. You've got great stories. There's, it seems like there's so much to you that I'd love to have the opportunity to catch up with you again sometime. I hope you'll come back. And join us and yep. keep us up to date with how you're doing. And and uh, like I said to you off the air, you know we're here next on the tee. We're here to help support you any way you can, any way we can. Please let us know what we can do for you uh, because uh, you've been so great to us tonight. Hey, I'd, I'd love to come back. I appreciate the time and and uh, and the opportunity to, to thank all the men and women around the world, you know, that are supporting us and defending us and uh, making us the best nation uh, on this planet. Yeah. And uh, so so uh, it's much appreciated. All right, Sean. Thank you so much. All the best to you and your family. I hope you know, and to you, to you for your you know for your health. I hope you get better, strong, real soon. And um, uh, we certainly look forward to watching you along the way, and, and uh, hopefully, uh, a lot of success this summer uh, leading up to Valhalla, and, and even greater success when you get there. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. I enjoyed being with you. Thank you, Sean. Take care. Okay. Yeah. Good night. Wow, what a wonderful gentleman and uh, and a great player, and uh, it's such a privilege to spend so much time with former PGA champion uh, Sean McKeel. So uh, our our wishes to him for much more success throughout the rest of the golf season and, uh, and, and into the future, and hopefully we see him back in the winner's circle very soon. My sincere thanks to all of you for joining me tonight. Uh, also, my thanks to our, our wonderful announcer, Joe Lajanusa, who does such a great job kicking off the show every week for us. You can hear us typically every Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, on Armed Forces Radio and on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, next week, my guests will be LPGA Pro Allison Kurt and uh, Callaway Golf Marketing Director Jason Finley. Please check us out online as well. It's nextonthetea.net. You can uh, stream or download any of our past episodes and stay up to date with who we've got coming up as guests here on the show. Please also, like I said at the top, check out our Facebook page as well and let me know what you think of the show. Questions you may have for some of our guests, we'll be glad to ask those on your behalf as well. And until next time, hit them straight, my friends. the choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me a 
robot and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a Junior Bacon Cheeseburger or a Crispy Chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep the crisps like bacon. Both are topped with crispy Applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. And participating Wendy's for a limited time. Meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a drill instructor directing a musical. Get those tap heels in line and let me see those jazz hands. Are you bundling your home and auto insurance through Progressive? Can you hear me through those sequins? Bundle your home and auto through Progressive and save. Left, left, left and step off change. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Home insurance provided and serviced by other select insurers.